0: Devin and Morgana have been celebrating midlife love by getting married a hundred times in a hundred countries. They believe grown up love gets better and more fun, especially for women. Everyone's smarter, wiser, men are more relationship ready, and if they're not, it's obvious. Forget anything you were told about being too old or too late for love and adventure. Instead, get fresh new tips on dating, relating, and travel to exotic destinations. And best of all, call in for personal guidance, creating crazy, sexy, midlife love in your life.
1: Hello, welcome to Crazy, Sexy, Midlife Love. My name is Morgana. This is my husband, Devin.
2: We've started already.
1: Yes, we have. Surprise.
2: All right.
1: (laughs) Try to keep up. Try to keep up. I'm trying,
2: but you know me.
1: So I guess we it's nine years now, which is the longest I've been in a relationship. How about you?
2: That's it. Yeah.
1: Really? I passed I passed the prior milestone.
2: Uh yeah. Oh wow.
1: Yeah, no. That's... Ah, good sign. Good sign.
2: Yeah, good sign. We're working yeah. it out. We're yeah. figuring out things.
1: So when I met Devin, I was really kind of confident, self-possessed, I got really good at going on first dates without attachment, which only took me 45 years to learn how to go on a first date and not attach my like self-worth and self-esteem with the opinion of a total stranger who didn't really know me, who was making like, you know, his first judgment call. Some of us are slower learners than uh, others, but so Devin and I had a really, really good first date that went on for six hours. And the biggest thing that I noticed, besides that he was way cuter than any of his photos, is that I could be relaxed with Devin and I didn't feel like I needed to put on any kind of a performance I didn't have to be giddy and giggly or whatever. But I, you are that. I am that, but I, but, but, but I wasn't like pushing that, right? No, you
2: <laughs> it wasn't like overtly promoting it, but that's just, just to be clear, that's sort of yeah. what happened.
1: But I just felt like I could be myself with you. I had no like need to impress you. I felt so comfortable and safe. And so great, cute. I feel safe. I like you enough. You answered questions about your first marriage and what you were looking for and life, the universe and everything well enough for a second date. And then we had, I think it was the second or the third date was, I think it was the second date was at Griffith Park Observatory. And that was the moment that I decided I liked you, that you were like really cute and really charming. And starting from that, I became progressively crazier and more insecure with every date and every phone call and everything about you that I liked more and more and more. So I did what any crazy, formerly self-confident, self-possessed person would do is I, I called my astrologer.
2: That makes sense.
1: I actually like one of my <laughs> Actually, I got, your
2: astrologer is great. I, I love, yeah, she's, she's just, a friend. So she, she's not merely an astrologer. Right. i just established
1: she she threw me a bridal shower after our 14th wedding. She said, enough is enough. You need a bridal shower. <laughs>
2: yeah, I don't
1: remember that. Well, you weren't there. It's oh, the, right, It's a girl's okay. thing.
2: I was not invited.
1: Right. So um, so I one of like the the things that i would always ask on a first date if i thought i wanted to see somebody again was (laughs) just innocently (laughs) where were you born and what time to the minute
2: (laughs) and i had that information of course
1: you did so i gave that to her and she did our chart and then she suggested that i hire a coach to bring my crazy to the coach so that i could be less crazy on my dates with Devin and then she ran my chart with the dating coach and so that <laughs> you're gonna meet my dating coach today Evan Mark Katz All right. because I needed somebody that I could go to with Devin said this what does it mean and Evan could with his like boy brain go It means he likes you and you can relax. I'd be like, (laughs) until the next call. So, Evan, let me tell you about Evan. Evan is billed as a personal trainer for smart, strong, successful women. He's a dating coach who's been helping single women since 2003, which is a very, very long time in the coaching world. Let's see. He is the author of four books, most recently uh, the book Believe in Love, and he's been featured everywhere at the Today Show, New York Times, CNN. And uh, let's see, since 2015, Evan's blog has had over 30 million readers. He's a really good writer. And his podcast has over a million downloads. And uh, let's see, 12,000 women have graduated from Love You, his six-month video course. Uh, And Most important, he is happily, happily married, head over heels, in love with his wife, and they have two adorable kids, and they live nearby, and they're friends. So let's see if Evan is here, and we will invite him in. And welcome, Evan. How are you doing over there? I'm
3: wonderful. Thank you for having me on this lovely Friday morning.
1: So... We were a little bit of a different situation because usually you are amazing at helping women find their guy, but I already had my guy and you helped talk me through the crazy. So just off the top of my head.
3: Is it wrong when, that I'm just looking at his face while you're talking right now?
2: <laughs> you're probably my admiring my shirt from the Mao tongue collection. I just noticed that on camera. Hey, okay, we go ahead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you notice goes on with women when we start to like a guy? Um,
3: I think, and by the way, we we could we could reduce this to women, but men are the same. We, oh yeah, no, totally. All we, right. We, we, I mean, I happen to coach women, but but everybody. But loses, you're a guy. No, but everybody loses their cool to some degree when you have a crush. I the the. This is a tangent off of a tangent, but I had a few years ago. My boy was three years old, and we were giving him swimming lessons. And there was this cute, you know, 21-year-old who's, who's going to give him his swim lessons. And he can't even get in the pool. He's standing at the side of the pool like a, like a 1950s wolf cartoon. He's like, Aah! that's all he can do in the face of this 21-year-old beautiful woman. So my guess is that that's a pretty universal thing that when you really like someone, you're not always your best, most relaxed, more more comfortable, because you really, really want the person to like you. And so you don't know what to do to facilitate that.
1: So what do we do to facilitate that?
3: (laughs) Well, That's a different question. What do you do to make someone attracted to you is different than what you do when in the context of a,
1: of
3: a, a dating and in a relationship. I mean, these are all different phases.
1: Right. So let's start with the dating part, which, you know, we all have a lot of experience with by now. But so what do you recommend when you feel like you're starting to lose your cool and you want and especially like when the person has indicated that they like you? How do you? And I know that I think this is something that that comes up for you a lot is, OK, how do you not blow it?
3: Um, I have an entire month in my love you course on that subject that sort of limbo between when you meet someone and whether you decide that you're in a couple um so there's not like sort of like one easy answer but i think we have to kind of use our rational brain rather than our emotional one and the problem is that emotions are stronger than anything right? our emotions mm-hmm. override reason all the time which why we make a lot of bad decisions so I use a lot of metaphors. I'm not saying that that's the, the, the best way to coach is to use a lot of metaphors, but I, I constantly remind women that this guy is not the last guy on earth. And we treat him like he is. Oh my God, I hope he picks me. He's the one I've been alone for so long. I haven't had this feeling in forever. And it's like playing the lottery and you get one number and you're like, I'm gonna quit my job. You don't quit your job if you get one number on your lottery ticket. You've got a lot more to go before you could really start celebrating anything. So I think there's sort of a sense of, of, of premature longing and putting all your eggs into that basket. So for people who have crushes, especially in the online dating space, if there's a guy you really like and you had a great date, keep on dating other people. Um, keep your options open. Don't commit to someone who hasn't committed to you. Right? There's a difference between going on a first date and him calling the next day to say, when could I see you again? And... Calling every day and saying, after three weeks, I want to take my profile down. Like, it has to escalate. It can't just be an intense crush. So, really, just kind of keeping everything in perspective, um, the odds that this date was with your future husband still astronomically slim, no matter how intense you feel at that time.
1: You just said something interesting about taking your profiles down in three weeks. Devin and I had our commitment conversation, I think at 11 weeks. Uh, so we had a bit more time to see that our puzzle pieces fit in a way that it just seemed like too much bother to try to find anybody as good as Devin.
3: Right, and I think if, if I'm right, uh, dictating how everybody should date, I'd probably tell people to, to go, six weeks or so, 11 long, because there, there's, there could also, there's also a measure of anxiety, and this isn't about your relationship, where sometimes women do go all in on a guy, and they're de facto boyfriend-girlfriend, they're sleeping together, but they're not committed, so now she's in this limbo, sort of hoping it pans out, and the further along she gets into that, and he's just seeing her, and she's waiting for a boyfriend, that puts her in a really bad position, so in general, And right again, it's not a hard and fast rule. Devin's not wrong for taking the time he took. But in general, guys are either going to be like, you're my girlfriend instantly. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Or they're going to kick the tires and try to figure things out. And that process usually takes, in, in my experience, coaching four to six weeks. 11. 11's long but it's obviously not impossible
2: but by by the way she was the 11 weeks right I actually did take my dating profile down probably after about a month and a half great so um case in point thank you
1: (laughs) he didn't tell me oh no
2: I I totally told her no not no I totally no I totally (laughs) told her And, and by the way I was like yeah do whatever you want like I'm fine, we'll just keep right. doing this. And when you decide you're in that place, then be that. That's
1: totally not true. Oh my God, no. I have, I have a
2: question. Is every episode,
3: uh, that when Harry and Sally moment, where you guys do this? Yeah, and...
2: We have a fair we have a fair amount of, I mean, Morgana's, vibe, Morgana's voice doesn't necessarily always go up an octave, <laughs> but sometimes it does. And when it does, we can all feel good. And
1: Devin has a very creative, romantic, retelling of the narrative that's factually maybe off but emotionally true to him so i respect that
2: (laughs) all right well then good i'm I'm glad you have the final word on all of that so yes we do this this is what we do yeah right we're adorable
1: (laughs) okay so you had um and i'm talking like to my single people or I'm talking for my single people out there and for who I was before I met Devin, I saw you on social media talking about like those whirlwind romances where you both seem so into each other and it seems so perfect. And then he suddenly disappears. And I used to go on that ride. Ouch. So... What do you have to say about that? Why does that happen, and what should women be doing when that happens, or men? Because I assume it happens to men too.
3: Yeah, I mean, we're we're, we're equally part of that process, and it's one of those things that's hard to understand. Um, if you're a woman and you date men, who are the people who are constantly hurting you and disappointing you? Well, it's men, right? If you're a man, who are the people who are constantly <laughs> hurting you and disappointing you? It's women. So. You know, we can give advice to women, but most of it is unisex, right? It's, it's it, this, is, this is people behavior. This is how yes. people are. My observation is that um, everything in moderation is usually a pretty good, um, pretty good way to approach dating and relationships and life overall, everything in moderation. And so if you're going 100 miles an hour on the freeway, you're very likely to crash or miss your exit that's what happens in those relationships. So people are drawn by some sort of uh, immediate, visceral, uh, inexplicable attraction, and they dive headlong into bed, headlong into a relationship, but do they really know what they got? No, they don't find that out until after. I mean, again, I don't know about your experience, but how many people did you dive in and then eight weeks later, you're like, what the fuck have I done here? Like, that's that's my 20s, is that? Uh, I, 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 ju- I just think it's so normal. So. That's what I said. It takes a certain amount of experience and reason to realize that chemistry doesn't equal compatibility. Not necessarily. It's great if it can, but that, that, oh my God, you just know feeling does not necessarily portend to future uh, as much as we like it to think it does because every time I ever had that feeling, I was wrong. So, so how accurate could that feeling be?
1: So what happens when somebody like shifts and like, Oh yeah, talking about the future, wanting to see you and or just seeming to be into you and then suddenly pulls away. D- it's the dog who caught the car. He,
3: d- he didn't know what he was chasing until he got it. And he's like, oh no, I, wait now, oh gosh, I- I'm not ready for all this. Uh, so it's not, people, people think that this is for the most part, uh, you know, disingenuous and he's a liar and he's a player. I think he's, not I, I feel bad i mean obviously i feel for the bad for women who are ghosted but a lot of those guys just you know dive in pursue something they want sex they want love they want affection and then they realize i'm in a really bad place in my life i don't have anything to give i'm between jobs i'm still fighting with my ex-wife i i don't trust my own judgment i just got out of a divorce i'm not ready to get into anything serious so the pull of wanting someone and then taking on everything that comes with the responsibility of being a really great partner. They're not the same thing. And by the way, women do the same thing. They dip their toe into the online dating waters. waters, And I can't tell you how many women have have come to me to help them find husbands. And after a month, they're like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Uh. Don't think they're bad people. I just think that there's what people want and there's what's good for them. And there's not a perfect overlap between the two. Yeah, so timing is everything sometimes. And yeah, it, it, t- timing is everything. Um, I, I don't know about you guys, but certainly my wife and I would not have met and been compatible three years before. Like it was. It was oh like- yeah, no, for
2: sure. Yeah, and we—I mean, Morgana and I for the previous twenty years lived within four blocks of each other the whole time. And he went didn't flirt with
1: me once. Never.
2: I mean, we went to the same gym, but I imagine Morgana was like having a professional trainer while I was. You know, in some sequestered delinquents area. (laughs) And there was no way. I mean, I wasn't personally ready. Uh, but I don't think there would have been there would have been no hope had we met five years earlier. None. Yeah. So so then
3: it's it's putting yourself in the position to be ready for that, right? In your mid-40s or whatever, like you, you put yourself in the position to be ready. And then when you're in that position, not squandering it, which brings us back to our original question. How do you not screw things up when you really like
1: someone? (laughs) On both cases, especially like the ghosting, it does seem like that was more of me when I was younger. I really, it wasn't as common. Like once I was in my forties, I was just dating very, very differently. I wasn't trying to make every relationship Work And even with Devin, I obviously took a good amount of time to commit to him on, you know, multiple levels. I was just getting to know somebody. So there wasn't. And honestly, and I was talking about this before I introduced you, I also hired you so that I could call you every time Devin said or did something and I freaked out wanting to know what does this mean in like the manosphere of existence and,
3: and do you remember what it all meant
1: yeah it meant he liked me that's what you kept telling me he <laughs> was like oh okay
3: yeah it's, it's it's almost always much ado about nothing I mean I I have in my my little love you group on 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 Facebook there's about 400 women and and when someone will write like a thousand word question so I said this and then he said this and I think this and I just write the letters OT which just means you're overthinking. The guy who liked you yesterday still likes you tomorrow. He didn't completely change his mind because of how you signed a text. Like there's, there's <laughs> a lot of focus on the minutia and we have to look at the overall pattern. Does this guy make me feel safe, heard and understood? Does he consistently show up for me? Is he willingly moving the relationship forward and committing to me? And then we don't have to worry about the sort of day-to-day vicissitudes of the things that, right, that might feel off. Uh, we're looking for the larger patterns, and I think people are are understandably really sensitive to the the data that goes on, and and the relationships have been so fragile that they think any single thing can break it.
1: Uh-huh. And in a good marriage,
3: nothing could break it. They're like you can have any conversation, and not, you're not going anywhere. And that's a hard thing for someone who's been single
2: and abandoned to feel and understand. It's also you know, I mean, more to the the way I would see it is that your heart is on the line with a new relationship. You're waiting, there's this anticipation, there's an excitement and all that other stuff, plus sort of the baggage of somebody's history. So when you're emotionally invested, there's a lot to lose in that moment, which is of course, within itself, crazy making. And,
3: and you're in a greater amount of limbo. There's certainly more to lose. If I lost my wife now, it would be much more devastating than if I lost her after the first month and a half we were dating. Yeah, of course. So, so, so you you know you push all your chips into the middle of the, of the table, and you're like, this, "This is it." And I think there's a there's an inherent vulnerability that comes with that. And what women sometimes lose is, and again, to quote my own stuff, is their their CEO power, recognizing that. Yeah, you're making yourself vulnerable, but ultimately you have the final say about what happens here. At any time, if you're not happy, you're not getting your needs met, you could get rid of this guy and find a guy who treats you better. So women give men all the power. Oh, please, please pick me. I hope he proposes to me. And they're giving him all that power instead of realizing I have to evaluate this man for the next couple of years to see if he's worthy of being with me. And so I just try to remind them that that his job is on the line. Instead of, oh, I hope he likes me. It's, it's really just a, a, a mental switch about whether you're going to be the intern or the CEO.
1: That was my favorite metaphor. That was my favorite metaphor when you were coaching me was to just look at Devin or whoever I was dating as like a job applicant and see if he shows up early, leaves late, seeks extra credit assignments. Um, so
2: wait, there were <laughs> other people you were dating? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. This is what we do.
1: (laughs) I don't know if I was dating anybody. I was still looking at people online and it was interesting. Great candidates were showing up, including this juggler at the Renaissance fair that I had a crush on when I was 17. And then I got to this point where I was like, but what would be the best thing that could happen with the jugglers? He might be as good as Devin. So by juggler, I don't think I even ever met him. Um, no, I know I didn't because I just I sent them all a letter. I, I met somebody. I don't know. As
2: soon as you say looking, <laughs> you know, dreamily at a juggler <laughs> is, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, what am, I, I don't even know you, where. You to not, go with I, I, I'm endlessly <laughs> amused by that
3: one. Like Devin, your closest competition was a clown. is the juggler, but you right? Be,
1: and you, beat but the I pub-
2: won. Yeah, I, I won. Oops, there we go.
1: <laughs> but honestly, the juggler was a giant step up from the puppeteer before you.
2: Uh, all right, well, then.
1: <laughs>
2: everybody's got patterns. Well, you know, the good news is is that there are therapists <laughs> that I can go see to sort through my self worth. And honestly, I have great respect for puppeteers and jugglers. Honestly, Yeah. You know, I don't know if that's true.
1: Because you won. You can afford to be generous. Right. I can afford.
2: Well, good. So we've moved forward. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. You have something.
1: Yeah. No, Well, go ahead.
2: No, I was just curious. Like, so you've been doing this for a very long time. 17 years. Yeah. That's a really long time at some point. I mean, uh, how did you end up in this, in this universe? I, 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 you know,
3: I'm, I have to be humble about it because, you know, this is an accidental career. I mean, it's really, the, I stumbled into this and I was fortunate to get in at a good time. I, I came out to Hollywood to be a screenwriter and I came really close and agents and managers and studios and never got over the hump. And then I was uh, in film school and I paid for film school. So I got a job answering phones at J-Date. Um, really customer service getting yelled at by Yentas. It was a glamorous job for 30 grand a year. And I was the only customer service representative who was using the website. Everybody else was, uh, well, let's just say they weren't Jewish. So I was the only person who was using the website and I would get on the phone and someone complained about their lost password. I said, let's look at your profile. Let's see who you've been emailing. I just noticed you haven't logged in in 10 days. What's that about? So I would just help people in a customer service capacity beyond what I was hired for and discovered that I was having a lot of fun and j was recognizing that I was doing something unique and I decided to write a book about it. And this is 2001, 2002, and my book did well. Um, it was unlike my Hollywood career, I got, had good timing and suddenly the book is reviewed in Time Magazine and I was on CNN and USA Today. And I dropped out of film school I was like, all right, I'll be the dating guy. I, but I didn't have a plan. I was like, I'll, just, I'll be the dating guy. And I started writing people's online dating profiles uh, at a company I started called eCyrno, which is still around. So i write people's dating profiles and they said, oh my God, this is working so great. What do I do now? What do, you, what do you do now? You, you flirt. I'm not a flirt. Okay, let's, let's go into match.com and we'll talk. So this one thing kind of led to another and online dating profiles led to online dating coaching, led to dating and relationship coaching. And I grew into the job. I didn't purport to be some sort of relationship expert at 31. And so I sort of grew into the job and maybe five years into it, I realized all my 80% of the people who came to me were women. I didn't ask for women. Men need help. They just don't ask for it. So I became a dating coach for smart, strong, successful women in around 2010 and I've just sort of you know, narrowed my focus and, and gone deeper with that, that cohort of women. and They're the people that I've been serving you know, forever. And so, um, so yeah, I, 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 uh, I'm a writer and I'm a flirt and those two things got me here.
1: I love that. And I also think it's really important that you learned what you do from helping people because that's how you find out what works.
3: But that's, that's the kind of the coolest part about it is, is it's constant on the job training. There's really, I mean, I don't care about any coaching institute that doesn't make you into a coach. Um, coaching people makes you into a coach. Learning what works, uh, that trial and error um, and seeing patterns of what's, what's not what's right and wrong, but what's effective and ineffective. What actually helps people? Because a lot of advice is sort of advice that's well-intentioned, but has no teeth. Uh, it doesn't mean anything. Um, just, just love yourself. That's that's that sounds nice. What what's someone supposed to do with that? What's the action step on that? So, um, in love, you we just try to break everything into a series of action steps, starting with confidence and leading in, leading into commitment. We just walk people through a process that, if you can follow this like you follow a recipe, usually good things happen.
1: So, you were talking about kind of a Devin brought up you know, early in the relationship, you're afraid of saying the wrong thing, you know, the wrong text might blow it, all that kind of stuff. And then you talk, one of you were talking about how once you're in a marriage, you just talk about everything. So there's a really big difference in how we communicate when we're just dating and single and getting to know each other and then when we're like really committed and deep into it. Can you talk about because I think I think you had told me before uh, we set this up that communication that works for a married couple is different than what single women think it is.
3: Yeah, there's there's a, there's a lot there and um... Gosh, I, I, it's such an open-ended question and I'm not exactly sure where to, where to begin to tackle it. Um, yes, communication is different in early phase dating where there's a lot of texting going on, right? And then there's the communication piece around whether you're going to commit to each other. And then there's the act of discovery, right? Where you spend enough time together over a year or two and go through seasons together and uh, let down some of your guard and showcase some of the, the worst sides of your personality. And this one's dealing with a job loss, and this one's dealing with a sick parent, and this one, um, you know, is, is having mental health issues, and like, and this one has a thing with their kid, and how do they respond to it? And so we just we need to take the time to do that, but it's all based in trust and acceptance, and I think that's the hard part. Is most of us have never been one hundred percent accepted by another person, any person we ever dated prior, right? Ultimately. There was too much friction and they, you couldn't accept them as they were, they couldn't accept you as, the, as you were. So there was a lack of acceptance. Um, and especially for, for the women I work with, there's been a, there's a lack of trust. The belief that the next guy has something to do with the last guy. Well, I, I gravitate toward toxic narcissists. They believe they attract them like they're magnets. You're not a magnet, you just have shitty taste in men. Right, there's, not, there's no magnet inside of you. If you're drawn to toxic narcissists because that's what your dad was, you're going to make the unconscious decision and every time it's going to end up the same. So we have to do two things in, in our work together. Uh, it's, it's to learn to date more effectively and choose men, not just from the checklist of things that you have in your head, but based on character, kindness, consistency, communication, and commitment, choose men for effort. Right. And now when you find a good man, how can you determine whether you're compatible? And that's, that's a longer process. And it's steeped in trust because if you don't trust your partner to do the right thing, right, you're going to have a lot of friction. I just, uh, I have a story that just came up and I, I I'm always loath to tell client story, stories without permission, uh, but my client shall remain nameless. Um, this is a really, really interesting thing. I even talked about it with my wife because it upset me so much because I think there's two reasonable ways of looking at this. My client was very petrified of dating, no trust with men, terrible history, a pretty common story, right? So she's coming to me to show her, here's what healthy, masculine, consistent love looks like, no bullshit, complete honesty, right? And takes a long time to dip her toe into the online dating waters, suddenly takes the plunge, she's petrified. And the next thing you know, she's got herself a really great boyfriend and they've been seeing each other for eight weeks. And I'm hoping she could finally relax because this is how it's supposed to feel, this thing, right, this ease, this comfort. She tells me the other day that she went to his house for a first overnight. And and it's important to to note, this man is a widow. He's been widowed for less than a year. And so she goes to his house and he's got pictures of his ex-wife and she flips out on him. Oh dear. Right, Um, and in her telling, she thought she was following my coaching i'm usually a soft pushover i let men walk all over me and i'm i'm setting boundaries i'm communicating so this was this was the hill she chose to die on telling a guy whose wife has been dead for less than a year that he has to take down all the pictures even though he's got two girls in the house right let's take down all pictures of my mom because girlfriend at eight weeks showed up here once right so she was really proud of herself for setting a boundary because it made her uncomfortable and it was such, in my opinion, such a horrible misstep because it did not consider any needs other than hers, right? And then we had to communicate like a couple, me and my client, because I completely disagreed with her and I didn't want to fight with her, but I completely disagreed because I, if that was me, that would be literally the last time I saw you if you did that, this thing that you thought was really smart and setting a healthy boundary. Because it's so strong and so tone deaf She's like, but I can't help it. I was triggered. It makes me uncomfortable. Should I be uncomfortable with his wife looking at me in his bedroom? And I said, That's another conversation. It's not for the first time you come to his house. <laughs> and so we get into this communication piece, right? This is a big part of my job. A woman could find herself a great boyfriend and then years of fear and dis- mistrust dictate her actions, her reactions, and how she communicates with a boyfriend who's completely innocent. And by the way, he's like, okay, I'll take it down.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: What a sweetie.
3: Right? And I was like- That's a, that's a tough one.
1: Right? No, but they're... they're like,
3: uh, it's objectively interesting because I'm here to advocate for her, teach her strength, Right, And I just think she overplayed her hand. And I, I said, she said, what should I do? I said, if I'm you, I'd go back and apologize for, for overstepping your boundaries. She goes, but I don't feel that way. I still feel the same way I did. I think it's inappropriate. I said, so you're willing to risk giving up your boyfriend over this? She's like, well, he he's, he might be willing to risk uh, giving up to keep pictures of his wife up. He might, be inter- he might give me up for that. So this is where it gets like, objectively interesting because... I say, hey, you're entitled to your opinion, but you might be ruling out a whole bunch of other people, not just on this. This is a microcosm. There's going to be another thing that some other guy does who's not a widow that's also going to trigger you.
1: There absolutely will be. And what's missing here is from her point, it's all about her and what she can get. And that's understandable because she sounds like she's overcompensating, but for a real relationship, you want to care about the other person. You want the other person to be happy. Like my husband has a daughter and I knew from day one, my own choice, having been the only daughter of a single dad, that that relationship is sacred. And my job is to create no friction between Devin and his daughter. I wouldn't respect him if he wasn't a good dad. So this guy is being a good, you know, it's not just her needs. It's the children that you mentioned. And also, does she care about him?
2: So,
3: Is she loving towards him? So we dove into it because it is a bit of a zero-sum game. You can't have the pictures up and not have them up. It's one or the other, right? So like someone has to roll over and and do something that they don't want to do. Right, and in my case, I suggested that it was her. <laughs> she she's the one who needs to accommodate him. I said the real issue you have isn't about the pictures. The pictures are symbolic. What you're afraid of is this widow is not a mo- widower. Is not emotionally available enough to commit to you in a year or two, and he can't guarantee that he is. That's a, that's a genuine concern, right? But the pictures are not threatening. There's no. Like, There's nothing, but I know this because my my father died and my mom remarried and she and her second husband had pictures of their spouses in their house, celebrating the 30 years they had in their previous life. We don't need to
2: erase this stuff if we're secure. If we're insecure, everything's a big deal. If you're secure, nothing's a big deal. And it's almost always the thing behind the thing, or at least the, the way I like to look at it from the standpoint that yes, you're arguing about pictures, but it really is about Are you in fear? Do you have self-worth issues? You know, are there, you know, there's some underlying thing that you're terrified of, which is, I think, what you just defined there. Can we ask, and I don't want you to, obviously, you're not breaking any kind of anonymity, but is there, was there a conclusion to this? Where did your clients say, oh, my gosh, because I, because as a dad, I did have pictures up with my daughter, and I went out with a woman who had lots of feelings about that. And I think in the moment, I'm like, of course, I want to kind of appease you because I want to see where this goes. I mean, I'm giving you sort of the subtext of the conversation. But really, at some point, I woke up like a day later and thought, fuck her. You know, know, this is not it wouldn't be a, 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 a connection where I know that she's complaining about a 10 year old. Yeah. So it was you know what I mean? For me, it became a no brainer very quickly. But in the moment, I was like, okay, whatever you want kind of thing. Right, um,
3: and that says something uh, about you that you would even contemplate that. For me, when she told me this, I, I was like, I was like trying not to yell because it tri- <laughs> Because I've, I've been a guy. I, I use the example of, of an ex-girlfriend that I had who I was crazy about. It was two thousand two, two thousand. I was crazy about her. Uh, what just a wonderful personality, such a great sense of humor. She had trust issues. She used to be heavy and she lost weight and she didn't like the way men treated her. Now that she was beautiful, she still felt like she was less attractive and she was uncomfortable with the attention from men. She was in a polyamorous relationship before me. So she was used to guys looking at the next best thing and sort of openly cheating under the guise of we're really open-minded. So she treated me like the sum total of all these things that happened before. I was like, you don't understand. I'm crazy about you. I'm not going to cheat on you, but I went into your search browser and you sometimes look up porn. I was like, yeah, and I'm still here with you. I don't look like that, and I'm still here. So what are you worried about? So she broke up with me three times in six months, and I was I was like, could you just could you just trust me? So I feel those kind of things really acute when you're a trustworthy person who's mistrusted. It's just so tiring, and so if she carries around mistrust in every subsequent relationship because of what happened in her past. The new guy doesn't have to pay for it, so I I owned it when I said like if you're picking up the fact that I'm really upset, I'm upset because I know you're feeling really strongly about this, and I almost can't even see your side. Like, I really, really want to see it, but all I could see is the other side on this one. So you can take this information, maybe a more nuanced picture, what you already feel, and what I'm giving you, and you can maybe see maybe there's an overlap, maybe there's a way you could come together and work through this in a way that you don't shut each other down where it's a zero sum game where he wins you lose but I would not play this card again I would not go back to his house a second time and say I still see you have a picture of your wife in your living room I like, would not do that and so we, we we left largely at an impasse like she said her piece and I said my piece and I said I, I care about you I'm not telling you what to do you're a grown woman. I just, I hope you could see that that this might be self-defeating if you want to have a secure, healthy relationship because this action is driven by insecurity, right? My dad had it, his black book where he kept notes on other women. He kept that until the day he died. My mom never made him
2: throw it out. Like, it's a piece of our past. <laughs> right, of course.
1: Right? That's funny. I'm <laughs> sorry. That's that is an,
2: it's an amazing story and it's an amazing conundrum. I can see her side from a very emotional context okay. of, right. hey, she's somebody who's just, she's dealing with her stuff. She walks into a place that triggers the stuff. Uh-huh. And then she has a big reaction to the stuff. Right. And- but objectively I can say, wow, that is probably not going to help you in the long run. Yeah, and law. then your reaction, okay, so that happened.
3: Now how do you recover from that? Oh my God, I'm sorry I overreacted. This is your dead wife. And these are this is your children's mother in their house. I'm sorry. Like that's the recovery from it. You you can't always help your reaction. That's a great, when you talk about couples communication, you can't always help every time you put your foot in your mouth. I do every day. It's how quickly you recover from that instead of doubling down on a mistake.
1: Well, and there are two perspectives. Like one of them, I can, it's easy, easy, easy for me to have lunch with Devin's ex-wife and Devin, the First thing he said about his ex-wife when I asked him about his divorce on our first date, because if you're going to ask a difficult question, ask it on the first date when you have yeah, nothing no, to lose. I don't he just said she's a lovely woman, <laughs> woman and explained why they weren't compatible in the long run and how that broke his heart and <laughs> won tons of points with me. So we actually had lunch with Devin's daughter and the ex-wife was included because well, she's They not, have a long
2: history. Yeah,
1: she's not Shay's mom, but they have known each other most of Shay's life. And she is a lovely woman. She's beautiful and smart and fun and kind. There's nothing negative to say about her. And I'm not threatened by her at all because in that instance, it was a choice. If he loved her and wanted to be with her, he would still be with her. Widowhood is a little different because he didn't have the choice so i can understand her insecurity there but at the same time having those photos would say to me oh this is a man who commits deeply this is a man who loves deeply this is a man who was loyal these are all good signs
3: right but, so it's, it's, it, but that's the point it's the lens through which you view it so i always tell people especially with a boyfriend again this guy's nothing but good to her for eight weeks assume positive intent and assume the best of someone i had a client who who dumped her boyfriend because she discovered that he loaned $25,000 to his ex-girlfriend and never got it back and she said this means he's fiscally irresponsible i was like no it means he's like a fucking saint right like you could look at that in two completely different lights And she chose to look at it through a negative lens instead of a positive lens. And so I I think when you have a a partner, you always have to
2: to try to see things through their eyes. It can't just be through yours. Yeah, there's, you know, what you were talking about, there's a line that a a friend of mine says pretty regularly, and it's called uh, a slight shift in perception leads to great change. And that's what I think it's all really about. In other words, it's very easy to have an emotional response to something. Right? because we get triggered by whatever it is that we get triggered, Right, a, a photo of an ex or something yeah. like that. Uh, but then there's this other way, there's just a tiny movement in how you can then support that guy who's going through this terrible thing. In other words, she theoretically could have taken that moment and been his hero right. by saying, you know what, I, I'm feeling X, Y, and Z, but that's me. And I admire the fact that you're making sure your children, uh, will their mother will always have a place in their lives. Right. Right. And that's, that's so high road and so not easy. And and it, it of course it's not easy. But the guy would have would have been like, oh, this is a good one. This right. is a good one. Right. Right. Objectively, it, it, that's, why Objectively. I, I, that's,
3: that's why I always use the terms. Effective and ineffective, not right and wrong. She's not wrong for having her feelings, or even wrong for having her um, uh, emotional reaction. It's not effective in forging a closer, trusting relationship. It's, 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 it, you, you, she might have won the battle. She
2: got the pictures down,
3: but she's not going to win the
2: war. No, especially when especially when the kids say, why is my mother's picture down? Ugh. That's, a, you know what I mean? Right. That's,
1: <laughs> that's, a, yeah, that's I, a
2: tough one. Or I, the friends say, Where's your, you know, the sister-in-law shows up and says, why is my sister's photos dead? Erased
1: from her right. house.
2: Right. That's yeah. a, you know, I think that's a lose-lose.
1: I, I think that she still has, there may still be enough of a window for her to get back a little hero cred by saying, wow, you're amazing. i I'm so grateful to you. Yeah, I had a really strong emotional reaction, but I've thought about it. And you spent years with this woman and she's the mother of your children and I was out of line if you want to put them back up then do so and That's and she, That's where we
3: left her. I don't yeah. know where she's going to.
1: But if she could, she could win a lot of ground. Right.
3: But but th- th- this this is we talked we, what, what Devin just said uh, about you know a little bit of perspective. This is all the dating and relationship coaching is. Yeah. Just widening your aperture a little bit to incorporate the the view of your partner, the opposite sex, if we're being heteronormative, like just just understanding what each other thinks um, instead of invalidating it is wrong. And that's one of the things that's that's challenging, certainly challenging for men, which is why I don't even bother coaching them. Men don't even want to understand women. They're just like, how can I make her stop yelling at me? That's a, that, he, he's, not, he's like, I want to understand my wife better. No, just make her leave me alone. For women, they really want to understand why does he do this? And that's the answer. Because they're thinking, I would never do that. So they're baffled when a guy does something that she would never do because we're different. And that's my job is just to translate those two things. Here's why a good man might think differently than you. And he's a reasonable person, whether you agree with him or not. He's a reasonable person. He's 50. You're not going to change him. If you can't accept it, go find another guy. And that's my whole thing is just keep dumping guys if you can't accept it. But realize there's a lot of guys who are not going to do what you want them to do because you want them to do it.
1: Well, there... John, Dr. John Gottman did a study on happy, happy marriage, like you know this, every relationship coach knows this, happy, happy lifelong marriages versus marriages that fall apart. And both of them have like between five and seven areas of irreconcilable differences, the good ones and the bad ones. So, you know, if I were to trade Devin in for something that we just don't get along with, I would get somebody else who right. had something we don't get along with, but he wouldn't be Devin. Right. So I would lose, which is why we're together.
3: Right. And, and when you talk about it like that, and, and I'm, I'm listening to it, and I, I 150% agree with you. Someone listens to that because I've had enough uh, constructive feedback over the years of talking about my marriage, and they'll say, That sounds like cold and analytical, bloodless, right? The, the concept of, of trade-offs. Isn't, doesn't love conquer all and, right. Like pe- people really, like, if you say anything that sounds remotely critical of your partner, they think that there's something wrong with your relationship. Instead yeah. of that, you're seeing things actually really,
1: really clearly. Love conquers all because we keep choosing each other knowing how the other person sometimes drives us insane right? and we choose each other anyway. That is love conquering all.
3: And that's the, that's the beautiful thing that sincerely, um, uh, you know, I give dating and relationship advice to women um, as, as my vocation. This is, this is, this is your side hustle. Um, But the truth is any happily married couple, if you ask them what makes it work can tell you this exact same things that we talk about in and love you it's not proprietary knowledge people who either figured it out i don't know it's it, it's that old russian quote all unhappy families are this you know this one or no, do you know this? Yeah. there's a, not there, yet anyway not there's, yet. I, i'm gonna botch it but it was like an old, like
1: check off for somebody. yes yeah
3: like all like on un, all unhappy families are the same in some way but I, I i think there's there's something to be said for all happy couples are, are, are the same in some fundamental way um they figured something out about what you should compromise on and what you shouldn't compromise on. Uh, They might not be able to tell you how they do it. They just figure out how to do it.
2: Yeah. You know, I've, I've actually done that. I've been doing that probably for the last 10 years where I've, anytime I hear somebody has got like, Oh, 35 years plus, I literally say, so what's the secret. And very often they don't know what the secret is. But the underlying thing, in other words, the pattern that I see when they talk about each other in front of each other is that they're on each other's team. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a certain uh, teamsmanship and it's not about the passion or the love and the fiery. And I mean, those are all great things.
1: They're also exhausting after a while. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a, whole,
2: that's a different thing. But, but there is a certain sense of, yes, I'm, I'm on her team and that's it. There isn't sort of like the wiggle room of, well, I'm here until she does X, Y, and Z. There isn't right. a list of failures, of wiggle room to get out of it. Right,
3: it's, it, it, it is by definition, unconditional love. It's the kind you feel for your daughter. Right. Where your daughter couldn't say anything when you're like, oh, I'm done with you.
2: <laughs> well, well, there was a couple times, but no, yes. But, you, but you get the idea, so
3: it is. Absolutely. It is treating romantic relationships the way we treat familiar relationships they're they're permanent and then if they're permanent well we've got to figure out a way to bounce back from whatever differences we have with our brother or sister or mom like when we make romantic relationships conditional you should never have a fight with a partner where you're like i'm out of here because once you throw that down it's a crack like how do you ever recover from that crack So you can have any sort of disagreement, but the disagreement doesn't need to shake the foundation of your relationship.
1: When we fight, Devin comes back with, I married you 25 times and I'm not going anywhere. What do you want from me? (laughs) Instead of I'm leaving, he's like, I'm not going anywhere, which, by the way, is what every woman wants to hear. Like if you're except for a stalker, but like if from the person you (laughs) love (laughs) from your husband, that's what you want to hear. And when I say like, oh, the passion is exhausting. It's not like the happy, fluttery, gooey stuff. That's not exhausting. That gives me energy. But the drama of breaking up and does he love me? And that kind of is he, isn't he? like, you know, I had a lifetime of that. I'm over it. Don't want life, it.
3: Life, life, is too uh, random and chaotic to have anything other than peace and stability at home, mm. right? The, right. The, no, that's if, if work. Work is hard, and it's always going to be a roller coaster. And you got to pivot and reinvent yourself. And then the news is exhausting in its own way. All the things that are beyond your control and um, health and friends and family. You don't get to control anybody. So when you can have something that's stable and go through life with someone and paddle in the same direction and support each other, which doesn't mean you agree and lockstep on everything, but when you are on the same team, there's a reason everybody veers towards this. There's a reason that people choose to get married and always come back to this over and over and over again, um, even though they've been burned by love before, because we know what it's like to be content being single and making the best of it, and there's a whole different plane of existence that you get to experience when you share life with someone. Um, I, 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 I don't know how to describe it any better, but like a lot, of yeah, people, no, I, I, a lot of people have shitty relationships and think, well, I don't want one of those. So I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to stay in, I'm going to be single. And I'm going to travel. And I'm going to make money. And I'm going to hang out with my girlfriends. And I'm going to go to my yoga retreats. And it's fine, but they stay safe and they never really aspire to this. This is scary because they think this could turn into a bad relationship because every relationship they've ever had is blown up. So why would the next one be different?
2: Well, and and I think that's a really important point. And I know many people who've taken that particular perspective on things. Uh, On on my own personal level, I believe that my best work as a human being is going to be part of a long-term committed relationship. And that, I mean, of course, that's easier said than done. That means I have to remain conscious and I have to be loving, even when there's disagreement. That means I have to choose to not leave. I have to, you know, I have to stay. And in our case, we get married every, you know, every so often. But whatever it is, is that I have to I have to be consistent and remind her that I'm here and staying. And that's sort of that's the deal. You joked about it,
3: but Morgana, do you still need reminding?
1: Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. He knows me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I was, Why? Um, I like deep, deep wounds, rejections by all of my parents, by friends in childhood. There's a part of me that is like, I just can't believe how lucky I am. Um, so sometimes I feel really solid and secure and it never hurts to, uh, like ask my husband, I need kisses all the time. (laughs) I just do.
2: (laughs) I didn't know this was going to be going into the therapy session. (laughs) But yeah, but
1: yeah, so I, I really, I see no downside to, Honestly, the inconvenience of booking plane travel, booking rooms, dragging yourself out of life, going on long, uncomfortable flights to say, I choose you, knowing everything about you. And I choose you, both of us. It's a great thing to do.
2: Yeah, I mean, I just
1: sold travel, didn't I? Yeah, no, (laughs) And
2: I love travel. So I don't look at it as purely just, you know, baggish issues. I love it, too. Um, But I think that you do it because that's part of the commitment in other words i just i remind her she needs it if other couples don't that's fine do your own thing find out what works for you but this is just one of the components within our relationship that it's like okay if i'm part of the team player thing this is one of the things that you do to maintain the player thing like i i'm assuming you and your wife with two little kids have a date night or you have a check-in or you do whatever little special thing that you do to ensure that the relationship continues steady in the chaotic world. Sure.
3: sure. Yeah. No, again, I and mean, it's not even a matter of um, second guessing whatever works as a couple it's, it's, it's um, I, don't think, it's, I, I don't think it's irony. What is it if you've been married 20 times to each other and um, and you still need more reassurance. It seems, like, it, seems like, it seems like a bucket that has a hole in it. And you, can't, you can never fill it enough.
1: It's not that I need any of these weddings. I was down for an elopement with no witnesses. And one and done, I was good. Like all of this is frosting. But I also knew that I wanted to travel the world with the love of my life. And a guy on OKCupid okay with the handle Travel Guy wrote to me. So that was that was a clue. Um, we just we love we just love the experience of discovering love and different. Well, then
3: you're just doing it for the country. Th- the, the sake uh, it's it's it, it then just sounds like a, a unique feature to your marriage rather than doing it because you feel insecure. That's, that's oh, a no, 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 yeah no. That's...
1: The marriage would be fine without it. But it's so much fun fun no, that, that's
3: separate that's completely separate yeah, okay. like however couples choose to spend their time or energy or money like and I I, I, I follow what you guys do and I think it's great um it, it was you were kind of like just sort of half joking that I that I need I need to be to be filled up and and every couple does need that um I guess the only pushback I have I, the far yeah. it for me to push back it's it's that I there are people where no matter it's, it's than my ex-girlfriend no matter what I did, I couldn't assure her that I wasn't going to go anywhere. Oh yeah, no, that's... And and I was like, I don't know what to do for you to let you know that I'm not going anywhere, but you're killing
1: me. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about... That's why I'm like so happy to uh meet up with with Devin's ex-wife. It's just I'm I'm not I'm not worried that way at all. I like a lot of physical contact. So when Devin needs alone time, I have five cats because I like to touch living beings.
3: <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, I think your hand is glued to his.
2: Yeah, no, yes, it, it sort of <laughs> is. But so but that's part, but speak I mean I think you use the magic word is that that the weddings for us anyway is part of the glue. It's not the whole yeah. It's not the structure, we'd be but it's, with... it's, it's a component of the things that we utilize to. Are there, are there other people who do what you do? Do you have, you found a little society of people who do this? I... I mean, I've, I've read articles. I've read like of two different couples who've done it. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, one their own were,
1: version, their own
2: version of that thing. We um, encourage no.
1: people to yeah. encourage everybody to do it because I, I see no downside at all. Uh, I think it's just, it's, Wonderful to choose somebody over and over again. It's sacred. It's but it's a. It's like the garnish. And I got this really clearly at one very bizarre wedding where people started booing when Devon was saying his vows, which, by the way, were great. Oh yeah, no, this
2: is a very long story. Yeah, but I. But wait, how are we doing on time?
1: We're we are fine. We'll make it work. But that was the moment that I realized.
2: We'll cut all the stuff with Evan. (laughs)
1: no 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 no. but we may cut some of our own stuff but I I, when when we had this like weird drunk crowd booing I realized none of that matters because I'm going home with Devin and the person you love is the only prize there is the only reason we get married is so that we can look at each other over and over again and appreciate each other and say what we want for each other so now back to you I love the way you articulate relationship and what works. I think you do it better than anybody I know. That's why even though we're talking a lot, I invited you on this on this show because I just I'm such a big fan of you I'm such a believer in you. I've actually hired you. So you have my endorsement uh, and do you have any like you you've already dropped so much wisdom and such great gems. Do you have like any final words that you want to say about what makes love work?
3: Um, I'm going to approach it in a slightly backwards way. We have a lot of evidence to show us what doesn't work. And we have a whole lifetime to show us what doesn't work. And so what we're talking about is the opposite of that. Again, it might sound trite, but it's true. So the sort of central right? If you really love the, uh, you're the CEO of your love life, carry yourself with confidence and treat men as interns, right? I, I, I like that idea too. The other probably big core of love you is that good relationships are easy. And if it's not that easy, it's not that good. Mm. So we've been taught relationships take work. That's, that's, the, that's the going thing that's been taught for generations. And shitty relationships take a lot of work. So, we've normalized how difficult relationships are, and we suffer. I think, how many people do you know suffered through a 20 year marriage where they stayed together for the kids? I mean, relationships take work. I don't think that's really the case. I think um, they take maintenance the way maintaining a home or a garden or a business takes maintenance. But when it starts to feel like work and they're bending over backwards, better question. Do I really want this? Am I gaining more than I'm losing? If a relationship drains your energy instead of lifts you up, it's not serving its purpose. So by eliminating relationships that take so much work, just ending them, starting over, trying on different people, see what fits better. It is, you mentioned that we're puzzle piece before. Relationships fit. Close to perfect. There's always going to be a 5% friction that you go through, right? The five things that you guys will never resolve, the five things my wife and I will never resolve. And that's just the cost of doing business. But for the most part, we're best friends. We love each other's company. We never get sick of each other. It is easy. And if, if we just tell people to hold out for relationships that are easy, we could at least save people the trouble. You may say, well, where is that guy he's out there you haven't you've never chosen easy before for some people easy is boring and so just realizing that 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 you can do better than whatever you've done before is where I want to leave everybody is just by saying no to relationships instead of doubling down on a mistake if a guy doesn't respect you if a guy doesn't make time for you if a guy makes you feel less than if you feel perpetually anxious and insecure get the fuck out thank you Get the fuck out is where
2: I want to lead you today.
1: <laughs> okay. We're going to have to put like some kind of notice on this episode. Yes. Oh, a tr- trigger warning. Of the frank,
2: <laughs> frank conversation.
1: Thank you so much, Evan. I just adore you. I really am grateful to you and appreciate you.
3: Oh, thank and you for having me. You guys are so much fun to talk to.
1: So your website, and we'll put it in the show notes, but for the people listening right now, the website to go to is?
3: Uh, EvanMarkKatz.com E-V-A-N-M-A-R-C-K-A-T-Z
1: And this is the fancy new website that I love fa- so much? The
3: fancy new website. It really is a fancy new
1: website. Oh, it's great.
3: Um, so we got 1,500 blog posts answering every dating question that's ever been known to man and uh, 200 podcasts. Uh, so just go there, uh, take the quiz uh, right on the homepage and we'll send you some free stuff. And if you like it, hopefully we'll have a chance to help.
1: Yay, thank you. Yeah, soft sale.
3: Take care. Have a great weekend, guys.
0: Thank you for listening to Crazy Sexy Midlife Love. Please sign up to join our free love family at crazysexymidlifelove.com to get alerts to live shows. Call in and ask questions or just listen in. And ladies, don't forget to download Devon's free ebook, Women are smarter than men and other secrets marriage-minded women need to know, also available at crazysexymidlifelove.com.